It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome to Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast, Braves Digital Media Content Manager, alongside, in person, in the Braves Alumni Lounge here at Truist Park, uh, Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. Greg, this is now our second episode where we've, we're fully recording back in person in the Alumni Lounge at Truist Park. Uh, it feels good to be back. It feels like nature is healing. We just announced here, actually just a few hours ago as of us sitting here, that uh, starting in May, third homestand of the season, that uh, we're going back to 100% capacity here at Truist Park, and I'm 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 just giddy. I'm beyond excited. It's been great having fans back in the ballpark in a limited capacity, um, but to know that we're going to have a full ballpark again soon is is really really great. And hey, and if you're if you're still if you're in the Atlanta area and are still uh, still wanting to get a vaccine, we're also check out the, on Truist Park social media channels. We're offering the free vaccinations here at Truist Park when the Braves are out of town as well. Yeah. So May first, right? May first. Yes, sir. That's right. May and the 1st. second one, May 26th. I think I read that today. I believe that's right. Yeah. The first one's definitely on May 1st. I think you're right. 26th. So it's all happening here at Truist Park. So we're, we're very excited about that. We're very excited about our guest today. Um, somebody who I think is familiar to everybody in Braves country at this point. You see him every night. If you're, if you're old farts like Greg and I, you remember watching him uh, play for the Braves back in the day. Now, we're not old. We're not that old. We're Paul, close. Paul retired, what, 2010? Somewhere in there? Yeah. So, okay. All right. We're close. We're close? All right. Yeah, I guess I don't want to admit it. I am kind of an old I'm a fart. Little, I'm older than him, and I'm older than you, so I'm the oldest fart, if you want to Okay, there way. you go. All right, you're the eldest <laughs> fart of the, of the group, yeah. No, I remember I remember watching Paul Bird play for the Braves back in the day, and uh, he's just been such a great addition to Braves broadcast from day one since he's been part of them for a number of years now, and... He's just one of a kind, great personality, um, insightful, entertaining, um, and just, you know, people who are good at multiple things. I mean, to make it in the big leagues as a player like you guys have is, is just is so amazing. We even get into that in the interview, like the, the Paul lays out the percentages of just really breaks it down of just how rare it is to even make it to the big leagues. Uh, but then to go from that and being not just a broadcaster, but a really darn good one is, is very impressive. It speaks a lot to, uh, to Paul, doesn't it? Yeah, anytime I see one of my alumni, they, they transition um, into a new career. It's just it, – I, I love it because I think it's so healthy. I think the guys who, who struggle the most are the ones that they – after they're done with their career, they don't, they don't really – they don't dig into anything else. And so Paul definitely has done just a great job and uh, being here part of our team and, and what he brings to the broadcast is pretty phenomenal. You know, Paul and I were both drafted by the Indians, and then we ended up getting traded – 
uh, for one another. So he was with the Mets. I was here. You got traded for one another. Yeah, we really? got traded for one another. Yeah, I'll be darned. Yeah, that. so that so he came here in '97, and I went to uh, to New York and and uh, played three years there. So yeah, we have that little bit of connection, and uh, we've known each other for a long time. And um, you know, he's he's the same off the field as is what you see uh or off the broadcast as you see um on the broadcast so he uh he loves people and and uh, does a great job so i'm I'm always excited anytime we can include our alumni in anything that the braves do whether it's you know with what andrew and chipper and tp and eddie and those guys are doing in the minor leagues to uh, what paul and bj and uh moylan and and nick are doing on the uh you know with bally on the broadcast so i love it as many of these guys we can have in, involved around here it's better for me absolutely it's great and one thing we didn't even get a, a chance to talk to him about it or i didn't and we'll, we'll do it next time he's on but it's just how how good uh, he is at social media too because mm-hmm. it's like to be a broadcaster nowadays you don't have to do it but i think a lot of a lot of it, it just it helps a lot if they're mm-hmm. also active on social media with their their viewers and their sure. their fans and paul just does such a great job mm-hmm. with that on social media and capturing just his uh, offering his opinions at uh, capturing content stuff with fans that he does interacting with fans is great so he's just uh he's, he's just such a great addition to uh to what we do here with the Braves broadcasts and well hey instead of us going on and on about it why don't we just get straight to it here he is paul bird Well, hey, Paul, uh, appreciate you uh, joining us here on Behind the Braves. I mean, this is our third season. Man, your schedule's tough. About time we got you on here, right? Man, I, I kept trying to get on this podcast. I was like, what do I got to do? Been sending you guys checks in the mail. You raced Finally, the freeze, did that's everything. That's what I'm saying. You know? I mean, what do you want from me? I'm trying as hard as I can to get on this podcast. It finally happened. You know, it has been, I guess, part of me – I see you so much, and you do so much around here for this team that I'm like, oh, God, I'd love to have him on, but do I really want to ask him to do one more thing? He's <laughs> poor, poor thing. He's here every night. He's uh, here late. I mean, rain delays. He's doing. He's digging up, finding balls up underneath the uh, daiquiri machine yes, up in the upper yes. deck. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes, you know. Um, I tell everybody I'm the utility man for the Braves. Like, what do you need? You need me to go in the booth, stand in the well. You need me to find baseballs, you know, jump in the fountain. I'm Ready. Hey, there's something to be said for that. <laughs> a little job security because there ain't many guys like oh. us that are uh, willing to do some of these things and yeah. still in baseball, right? And I, I literally said that. We got one hit a few days ago in a doubleheader. <laughs> and there was nothing good to talk about. I'm like, hey, it's dragging. Birdie, can you do something? Whatever. It's like, what do you want me to do? You want me to go up top and jump down into the fountain? I don't know how it's going to end, but people will tune in, you know? Yeah. So, uh, right. and I and ended up with a little kid up there and Max Fried, who's, you know, coming back, did some bounce drills so I took a little kid mm. we did some bounding drills and you know try to make people smile and have fun baseball is a hard game so you've <sighs> got to have fun on the bad days or oh my gosh you, know, you need to do something else let me tell you what was priceless as I was watching the game the other night and when that kid from Tennessee caught that ball and um, the smile on his face and the look of like, dude, I just stole that ball from you. What do you, you're the big <laughs> leaguer. And, and you went down there and talked to him and he said he was blowing up on TikTok. I mean, my wife yeah. and I were dying laughing. Yeah. That yeah. was that, you couldn't have 
had any better moment in the game than that right there. We were talking. I mean, the guy from Arizona, what was the right fielder's name? I'm sorry. Cole Calhoun. Yeah. yeah. Cal- Calhoun was talking about in the press conference about how excited he was and how he was impressed. I, that couldn't have been a better moment. What was that like for you? Well, it was his first ever game. Like, <laughs> yeah. how, you know, it, it doesn't get any better. He uh, just looked up. He didn't stand up to catch the ball, you know. Cole Calhoun with the glove right there and um, was probably interference. We can't go back now, so I'm comfortable saying that. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. But, uh, you know, he caught it, and what a great sport Cole Calhoun was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when the 13-year-old young man said, I'm pretty sure I'm famous in Atlanta right now, (laughs) that is broadcasting gold. And uh, shout-out to his mom, you know, Samantha, because she she does ER, and, you know, Mm. she – Brought him all the way down yeah. here for his first game. Got him good seats, and he was extremely well spoken. Wasn't nervous. Wasn't he? Yeah, no way I could have. She done was that beaming. When I was Thirteen. Yeah. She was behind him, just so proud. Yeah, I, mean, it was awesome. I turned around after the interview and I said, "Great job, mom!" You know, and gave her a high five. Mm. And she was like, "You said so excited that uh, mm. he was a big deal." Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that we, kid's going to take my job in about 15, <laughs> 10 years, maybe sooner. He, he was that good. He could. And um, there's been a lot of moments that you've been a part of over the last, what's it been? Has it been four or five years now? Uh, yeah. For you? I think it's been seven or eight. Um, really? I did. Back I started out doing studio. That's right. You did. And did they said, part-time. yeah, they said, mm-hmm. can you come down and fill in for the weekend? So I was like, sure. So I came down, and uh, the Red Sox were playing, and um, I enjoyed it. You know, I was coaching at the time. I was a few years out of retirement, maybe three years. And um, I'm just passionate about the game. I love the game. So anytime I get to talk about the game, um, it feels good. So that's how it started. And then the next year, (laughs) Mike Iacchino's passed. He's a good friend of mine. Miss him every day. He really mentored me in this business along with Jerome Jurinovich. And he called me the next year and he said, "Um, you're our number one choice. Would you do this full time? You know, and I was coaching, and I was like, man, I don't, you know. So we, we cut a deal where I did it part-time, and he said, the only problem is, he goes, um, everybody thinks you're too serious. And really, you need to spice it up a little bit. <laughs> I was <laughs> like... Well, then I did a bad job portraying who I am because <laughs> yeah, I actually get in trouble for not being serious enough most of the time. Uh, even from my wife, she's like, okay, inappropriate joke. It's time to be serious. <laughs> so in baseball, sometimes, you know, um, I can be, be too funny. So I was like, oh, well, that's easy for me. I can make that happen quickly. And um, taking an interview in the locker room after a game, as you know, both, um, is different than having an earpiece having to communicate something, look at a specific camera, be clean, crisp, say what you want to say, say it with confidence, and then get it back to the host. And then post-game respond to something that somebody else possibly could be feeling. Because when you take an interview in the locker room, you're like, here's exactly how I felt. You tell the guys, the reporters, like it or not, you try to be honest and you try to be courteous and and you do a good job. But then when you're trying to say, okay, here's what happened to somebody else and here's what, all of a sudden, I was uncomfortable mm. and doing that live took a while and um but i enjoy it now and and i've enjoyed the challenge of that craft and um i hope i can do it a little longer it's it's interesting bringing that up pal because that is tough just interviewing people especially i've not i've still never interviewed a, a player after a game right after that and, that, and that's 
that's got to be a tough spot. I was thinking back to when I first first had my first little temporary stint with the Braves, which was almost 10 years ago now. I came down and did some stuff on um, – what was what was called the Braves Country Caravan at the yeah. time, and so they they had a camera and I they had a gave me a cameraman and a mic and I was on the bus for a couple of days with players and it was interesting because I found out interviewing the players part and having some fun with them that was the part that was pretty easy because it was laid back it wasn't a game situation we were having yeah. fun and they were used to having a microphone in their face and knew how to do it the part I struggled with was interviewing fans and, and whatnot at these appearances we would go to because yeah. they're not used to having a microphone no. in their face or a camera and when they weren't giving me anything I didn't know how to draw anything out of them and that was like I was like a deer in the headlights so it's like I marvel at, at what you do like with the young fan the other night we were yeah. just talking about mm-hmm. and like I, I love seeing you with players I think you do a great job but I especially just enjoy your work with when you're just interviewing a, a, a Braves fan in the stands and I think that's there's a special talent to that I mean it, it's it's people such as yourself make it look easy but it's it's difficult at times well it is and here's the danger you never know what you're going to get Right. You don't know what that person's going to say, if they're going to clam up, if they're going to, you know, drop a curse word. You, you don't know what's going to happen when somebody gets nervous and do, does something that they're not used to. So there's always a risk. But when you hit it like the other night, right, I think it just brings so mm-hmm. much to a broadcast that uh, is really special. My first ever challenge was that first year, and I'm replacing Ron Gant, who goes to the mm-hmm. news. Mm-hmm. And so I got Brian Jordan on my right, and then I got Jerome Jorinovich over here. And the question's going to come to me. We rehearsed a little bit, but a lot of it's, hey, you can run audibles all the time. And I knew the question was going to be about Jason Hayward. Um, My very first opening day, this is my fourth broadcast, it's live. And Jerome asked me a question, and I don't hear him. Because we have so many people around the set. They're <laughs> screaming and chanting. And one guy is literally screaming, where's Ron Gant? <laughs> where's Ron Gant? You know, and I'm sitting there and I'm going to try to answer this question. I don't really get it. And then this Phillies fan who I played for Philly for three years mm-hmm. goes, that's Paul Bird. You traitor. He goes, you jerk. And I, and I don't know what kind of show this is. I think this is a G-rated show, but he dropped an F-bomb and he said, F you, Paul Bird. And I'm Which trying to answer this question. This is a term of endearment for the Phillies, right? This is a term of endearment. It means that you're accepted and loved. I learned that from John Vukovic. He goes, if they don't yell at you, they don't care about you. So always take that as a positive. So, and I panic mm. and I don't, and I just start talking and I'm like, uh, and I'm like, um, uh, you know, uh, Hayward. And I start talking about how tall he is <laughs> and it just, it made no sense. And Brian Jordan's looking at me with one eye, like, Hey, you know, like <laughs> shut it down, man. <laughs> and, uh, You're I kicked it back to take to, greenies before this show. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I kicked it back to Jerome and, and Mike, I, you know, on my era producers like, Hey, just calm down. You're going to be okay. Calm down <laughs> and uh my goodness and that's what i thought to myself i'm not sure i can do this job this mm. is a whole lot different than mm. a player interview well i'm i'm not surprised and I, I don't know if you remember this but when i first took over and started doing my role with the braves in 2010 shortly after that you retired i can't remember mm-hmm. and i knew the braves had gone through several guys jay Howe, jeff treadway that were doing the pregame mm-hmm. and um and some somebody in the front office asked me um uh, 
who I thought would be good and, and threw out a couple names and I said Paul would be awesome at this and um, I think at the time we had talked and you said hey, I'm not really to commit I don't want to commit I just yeah. want to do a little bit but I knew early on just by knowing your personality and knowing you for a long time that uh, you would do really well and so i'm not surprised at your success but i'm wondering if you're surprised i mean you won were you nominated for an emmy or did you win the emmy i've been nominated for a bunch but i yeah i have one i did uh win one and um i still look at that on my uh my kids you know i we tease that moves around the house you know what i'm saying <laughs> i mean i'm like yeah. you know i bring it in the living room and put it in, i'm like hey baby you want to go on a date with an emmy award winner that's right and she's like oh god you're gonna make me vomit and, you know but i'm more proud of that than i am i think anything oh my i accomplished gosh. in baseball thank you for saying that yeah. um you know you can't please everybody you can just be yourself and talk baseball and i love what i do mm-hmm. and um like i was saying it's it's not easy communication uh, developing your brand, being yourself, having good content, you yeah. know, all of that mm-hmm. is kind of an art and a craft. Mm-hmm. And uh, Michael Kelly, who is a, you know, famous actor, mm-hmm. House of Cards up in New York. We've had him Braves on here. Fans. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he said, man, I, I love your work. <laughs> and I said, oh, man, this, I am working. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I've been stuck in recess my whole life. And there's a blessing in that. I was good at recess and art, you know, like it's like Chevy Chase on SNL. I was told there'd be no math with his job. So, um, but I was like, oh, I, this is my work. Mm -hmm. This is my craft. And I'm, so I'm super proud of that award. Thank you for saying that. And, um, did you ever go and do any workshops on your own or have you had any training or, or, or did this just something that you felt kind of, kind of came natural to you and you just kind of learned on the job? So no, I haven't. And that's why I struggled early on, even, you know, in the booth where I've filled in at times, I think I've covered the pitching so much because I love the pitching and I'm, I'm kind of learning in that area too. And there's just different times where I've, I've just really had to learn at my craft at a very high level. And, um, but I've also been blessed to be able to play the game and know things that I can communicate that maybe someone else can't. Mm -hmm. So I think it's kind of a, kind of a symphony, you know, where Chip Carey did have that training, grew up in a broadcasting family, is a phenomenal voice and knows exactly how to kick the ball over to you and (laughs) take it back. And so that there's a talent in that as well. And so I've had to learn, okay, what is my brand? I've had to develop that now. And, um, this is going to shock you a little bit. Young kids come to me, uh, you know, high school, college, one happened the other day. Says I really want to learn, you know, what, what can I do now? Mm. And so if there's any of those listening, I always tell them, turn the TV down, watch the game, start calling the game now. And listen you know record yourself and listen back and then i say this and this is probably the most shocking thing i say take an acting class take an improv acting class um learn to be uncomfortable Hmm. learn to speak off the cuff and learn to be comfortable when you're uncomfortable when your heart rate's up because there's many times now well they will come to me it happened the other day where i'm getting ready to give a report and Austin Riley hits a 434-foot home run. (laughs) 
Well, Gretchen, our producer, says, no, no, you're talking about Riley now. I have 15 seconds before I'm getting ready to go on, and now i got to shift. And there's a little bit of uncomfortableness in that because now i got to carry a video. i got to carry what happened. i got to carry, you know. Um, and I, gotta, I, if I don't know everything, you know, I've got to still carry that certain amount of time and still give it to the fans uh, with a lot of a lot of power and, you know, passion. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to be the point I'm making is there's times where I'm still uncomfortable, nervous, uneasy, have to breathe. I got to make that three, two pitch on the corner with the bases loaded. You know, mm-hmm. you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like in in my career, those have been the the biggest turning points or learning moments or those times where going into it, I was nervous slash horribly uncomfortable in yep. what I was trying to do because I didn't know what I was doing and I was or I was attempting to do something for the first time and it was and it was daunting and I just felt that uncomfortability if that's even a word I'm from Virginia the mountains so I don't it works, know it works it works Eastern Tennessee so he'll just agree with me well, yeah, yeah and I'm from Kentucky so we all get it <laughs> there you yeah. go yeah but it, th- those are the moments <laughs> I've, I've always felt like I look back on them and I if I ever have kids someday I, that'll be one of those things I teach is like it's okay to to be nervous if you're trying something yeah. that that's going to be part of sure. it be uncomfortable with it and see what happens and you might fail but that's where you're going to learn the mm-hmm. most i feel like when so it, it sounds like pursuing broadcasting when you retired from playing that wasn't really something i mean you said you were coaching like was what? it something you ever even thought about uh, I, I was always told you'd be great in broadcasting you'd be great in broadcasting so guys like tim kirkchen and others like as soon as you retire call me you're going to be doing this and um so when i retired i had that you know it's like Mac just said, like I had that. People were like, hey, can you come do a tryout? Can you come to this? And my wife uh, moved us 56 times while I played. I was not good enough to stick with one team. I wasn't bad enough to retire. So we kept moving around and we had two boys and she just looked at me and she said, what's the point of money if you miss your kids grow up? Mm. And I was like, mm. man, so it, it really stood me up. Um, my son at one time asked me when he was younger, you know, four or five years old, if my other family had as good a toys as they had. Mm. <laughs> I, no, like, like... I don't have another when I get in and it's OK if you do, you know, but I, I was like, oh, no, I'm going in a plane to play baseball. But I was gone so much. Mm. That's what he um you know, took away. So when, when I retired, my goal was to just build into my family. And what I was told in this business as well was you're either in or you're out. Like it's a yes business. If you say no, they just get somebody else. So I didn't retire to go into this or I would have just kept playing. And, um, but what I learned was I thought, well, I'll just do that later. Well, I started coaching and I, I was fine. But then after that, you know, I was like, hey, if if I wanted to go, nobody remembered Paul Bird anymore. I mean, real quick, you get uh, you get forgotten really quickly. So all of a sudden, um, you know, so now even players uh, who ask me questions and I remember telling this to Frenchie, I'm like, don't take a couple years off. Mm-hmm. They won't, you know, just do something to keep your foot in the door or whatever. And he's different in that he's a cult figure here and everything like that. So he's, he maybe didn't have to do that like I would have if I had it to do over again. But fortunately, a couple years later, somebody remembered and came down and, and got a little call, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I usually 
um, when I talk to the alumni, of course, there's guys at all different stages, some mm-hmm. that were superstars and some that maybe played a day and some that played five years. I always share with them, too, whether if you want to go into coaching or scouting, you need some downtime, but you can't you can't get a lot of downtime. That's right. That's exactly right. There's a whole right. other cycle of guys. I think I was having this discussion with Brandon Beachy the other day who just recently retired, and and um, I said, you know what, it, it, it would be great if you really knew what you wanted to do right when you were done, but most of us don't. Right. But you still need to unwind, but you you got to limit your unwinding <laughs> because <laughs> you have a brand, right, yeah. and you – coaches remember you and you have people that that uh, like you you just got to make sure they're still in the same places <laughs> that they were That's when it. you have the opportunity to coach or scout or broadcasting but it you know it's it is it's tough because you're right there's so many guys that just kind of keep coming out right and, and you have to take advantage of some of your opportunities one thing i was going to say you know, you've had, um, when I look back and just was reading some stuff about you, you've had a lot of life experiences. So, you know, you, you went to college, right? You played at LSU. Mm-hmm. Um, you were drafted by the Indians. You know, yes. you and I had that in common. I think you were just right after, after I'd already left to go on to the Braves. You played in the big leagues. You were an all-star. And some of your stats were, were pretty amazing where, you know, your 200 win seasons, I mean, 200 inning seasons were pretty amazing. The number of complete games, you led the league one year, complete mm-hmm. games. And uh, you had 15 win seasons. I don't know if it was like, I think it was like three or four 15 win seasons. So some of those things were like, you know, we talk about this and joke about this today that those things don't happen anymore, right? I mean, yeah. nobody has that many innings. Nobody has complete games. Um, but that that was something that you you were very durable even though you had a little bit of injury at one point in time you you played a long time and you were very durable so you took care of yourself um but i was just thinking about those life experiences and then you went in you've gone into broadcasting and then you've done speaking you've yes. written a book yes so you've had a lot of things that that I, when i look at you i say well you've been prepared for this because you've just done a lot of things and you've got a lot to to offer and it really comes across so i think when ricky was talking about you being able to relate and talk with fans that doesn't surprise me at all just because i know all the different experiences you've had um it makes makes sense to me yeah well i appreciate so, so that. with that my question mm-hmm. is after doing so much and experience do you see something next for you I mean, are you content where you are or do you do you have like a now that you've been doing this, do you have a plan where you think something else you'd like to do in the future? Right now, no. I'm, I'm content where I am. My wife runs an equine therapy ministry next door. Um, I do a little bit of that. Um, fundraise for her. She runs the day-to-day. I live on the farm. I enjoy that experience. Um, to go to New York or to go to LA and, you know, ratchet up a little bit. I, I don't see myself and that may change tomorrow, but I'm comfortable with where I am. And I think Mm. that I would like to do more writing. I really enjoy writing and, uh, guys, I just turned 50. What do you think? Join the club. You're, well, you're thinking like, <laughs> is this guy 42 looking yeah, over here? I, I, had, I had 41. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that hit me a little bit. Like, oh, it's a great question you just asked that I can't answer, but it's certainly a question that I've asked myself is, mm-hmm. okay, what do you want to do now with the rest of your life? There's an incredible um, documentary out called The Social Dilemma. Mm-hmm. Yep. I encourage everybody to watch. And 
um, this guy who stepped down from Pinterest. And one of the reasons he stepped down is he was in his pantry looking up Pinterest while his wife and kids were outside in the kitchen waiting to spend time with him. And he said, it occurred to me that I have a team of the most, you know, brilliant minds around working as hard as they can 24 seven to try and figure out how to keep you logged in. And he said, it's really a question to each person. What do you want to give your life to? Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of haunted me. Um, They'll ask, what is it that I want to give my life to and uh, my time? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so I'm chewing on that. And right now I'm still passionate about communicating, teaching baseball. I think it has purpose. Um, I enjoy it. I feel fulfilled doing it. I don't want to head off and and, um, do football and basketball and all that. You know what I'm saying? Be gone all the time. I value my family. I value my kids. So right now, uh, that's what I want to do. Well, one thing you haven't done is fantasy camp, and you will will get an opportunity. I'm ready. I am ready to give a speech to the fantasy campers. Yes. You will be very – my first one was uh, <laughs> pre-COVID, so let's see, January 2020, 2020 I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was I, – I had just a blast with all those folks. And you will be very much in your element there. They'll, yeah. You'll yeah. fit right in. Do I have to throw BP? Uh, you can pitch for your – you'll be a pitching coach. Okay. And then you'll have the chance to pitch – for your team in one game, like a preseason game. Okay. So let's say Sid Brame's your manager, you're yeah. the pitching coach, so he'll play first base and you'll maybe throw an inning against the team that you're playing, and that's Ooh, a preseason that's game. That's risky. But maybe get 10 pitches. Well, you have to go on the IL. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, I stop, I'm, the, I'm the GM. So <laughs> I, I was a spot starter, but right. I thought after I turned 52, I'm thinking, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I've got a surgically repaired shoulder. Yeah. I said, I don't want to have that surgically repaired twice. Yes. So I've had not being a topper, but yeah, I've had it twice. Once while playing reconstructed. And then uh, this is the hardest ever throwing to your kids Mm. because I was coaching travel ball and that's Mm. like seven games on a weekend. So I'm throwing BP Friday, Saturday, Sunday, a couple different games. That's no joke. Kids like, show me the slider, show me the curve. You know, I'm like, yeah, sure, here it is, here it is. All of a sudden my shoulder doesn't work anymore after four or five years of that. I I thought that was harder than actually playing in the big leagues because it was just, you were like, you want to see a big league slider? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow, that doesn't look like it used to. Yeah, yeah. Well, Uh, well, talking about your kids i mean how, how are they how are the boy grayson's in the cubs organization, cubs organization yeah he's uh he's fighting it out and um kind of got a late start he broke his back when he transferred to clemson mm. but i'm real proud of him he battled back he was an all-american there great kid great teammate i'm proud of the man that he's become and then i've always really enjoyed the arts like writing and speaking and talking as you're saying so my son colby who is you know year and a half younger than grayson went to sanford got a business degree emphasis in entrepreneurship so i thought he was going the business route COVID hits we have a heart-to-heart man-to-man I said hey if everything paid the same what you do he said easy I'd be a screenwriter hmm. so he's got an internship uh, with a company out of Nashville and he is doing some screenwriting and he loves to nice. write and that's read. awesome so I told him to go for it man who am I to you know say 
that's a low percentage job, you know, like not many screenwriters, but you know, let somebody else tell him that I'm not going to let, mm-hmm. you know, and, I, and who's to say he can't do it. So I'm like, you don't have a family right now. You don't have to provide for yourself. I was like, man, live out of a truck, get an Airstream, do whatever you need to do <laughs> and go for it. You know? So he's, he's fighting that climb. I feel like there's something to be said too, for kids who grow up with somebody as a parent who had a, what did you just call it, a low percentage? Uh, yeah. Who, 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 whether you're teaching them that or not, they're seeing somebody in their, their, this important person in their life who managed to get one of those low percentage jobs. I yeah. mean, I, I feel like that because I had a, a dad who had one of those as well. And it kind of, it's part of what, in, in how I ended up working in Major League Baseball, which is it's working in professional sports. It's just it's hard to it's hard to get a job in professional sports because a lot of people want that. So uh, I don't. I guess I feel some kinship with him. Like that's great. That's yeah, great to see absolutely. him going going after his dream. That's great. People don't realize uh, only ten percent of people drafted get to Double A. Right. You know, four percent of people draft get to the big leagues, and four percent of those four percent play longer than three and a half years. That's crazy numbers, you know? Mm-hmm. So if somebody gets there and has played a little bit, you know, they deserve your respect at least, even if you don't like them and you, you should listen to them. And there's even right. fewer from Kentucky and Tennessee. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and then for those who came from Kentucky who had blonde hair with a mullet, That's right. even fewer, That's you know, right. maybe one. So, yeah, but um, I am proud that, you know, guys like A.J. Minter mm-hmm. are bringing the mullet back. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I don't look so stupid to my kids anymore. <laughs> well, talking about Kentucky, my last question for me. I'd, I'd read up on you that you, growing up in uh, in Kentucky, you would go to Churchill Downs yes. as a kid with your dad. And, yes. And, and learned a little bit about how to bet races. Now, I like yeah. the few times I've been to a horse track in my day. Yeah. I enjoy going. have no idea what I'm doing, but I, I, I enjoy attempting to learn how to bet. What was that like going to Churchill Downs as a kid with your dad? Man, there's, there's nothing like it. It was a rite of passage when I was in like the fifth grade, and he taught me how to read a racing form, how to place a bet um so there's a proper order in which you you know uh place a bet and so that was a rite of passage for me you know and it can be two dollars to win on sea biscuit and then you get that printed ticket my dad's standing over my right shoulder looking at me gives me the nod you know the guy that gives you the ticket gives you the nod and you feel cool so i won about sixty dollars my first summer at churchill downs and i got some binoculars so i could watch the horses run on the backstretch mm, nice so yeah it was a really cool experience my first derby as well uh, that came as a freshman in high school um you know, I went with a <laughs> a group that was a little bit older, a girl who was a friend of mine. I played with her. Her bro, I ended up dating this girl. But anyways, um, yeah, they that was uh, another rite of passage <laughs> going to the infield. Um, you know, I'm a freshman, and they injected oranges with bourbon. And, you know, yeah, it was uh, – my dad is a, was a police officer, and so mm-hmm. one of them got busted for carrying some drugs in, smuggling it. Yeah. Wow. And I, I'm a freshman. I didn't know anything, you know. So it was like, wow. So there was a lot of stories I can tell about Churchill Downs, some clean, some not. <laughs> but there was a big rite of passage, and um, – so we were everybody's there to party and you know i'm not i didn't drink i wanted to get to the big league so i made a mm-hmm. vow with my all this right so i got out the racing form and you know everybody's partying and i'm trying to win money on the horses <laughs> <laughs> she's like what are you doing and i and um you know it was it was a really cool experience for me and then 
you know, when the Cleveland Indians drafted me and signed me, I made a little donation back to Churchill Downs with some of my signing yeah. bonus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I had a great time, and, and I love the horses. And um, really cool ending of the story. Um, when my father passed away in 2017, we had a racehorse in our pasture right next door and I would finish broadcasting and I would come back home and get out of the car in my dress shoes which you see now and walk over in the pasture and talk about my dad to the horse Mm. and this is crazy the horse uh, would grab my forearm with his mouth because horses you know they don't have hands so their mouth is their hand and they're not biting you they'll just rest and he would hold my forearm you know with his mouth and um I would just sit there and, and weep. And uh, it was a really, really cool experience. Uh, is a racehorse named Abel. and um, Is he one of your therapy horses? He is, yeah. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And um, so it was a really cool experience mm. for me, seeing things come full circle. And I'm like, man, I'm sitting here talking to a racehorse in my pasture and just thankful for my dad. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's an awesome story. Well, I think we wouldn't uh, do this uh, podcast justice if we didn't talk a little bit about the team. I mean, yeah. you, you know this team intimately. You follow them for yeah. multiple years. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of our fans out there that are a little frustrated right now. I mean, we're barely, just barely under 500. We've shown glimpses, but we've got the injury bug a little bit. So, yeah. What what do you see that's going on right now that maybe everybody doesn't know? But then, and where do you see this team? What's their potential? Well, so it's baseball, right? So anything can happen. So the danger is to say, wow, they won it the last three years. They got the same players. They're going to be great. We don't know what's going to happen. So that's one of the reasons I love this game so much is there's always some team that you expect to come in last place. They don't. There's always some great story out there. Some guy that was pumping gas a year before Peter Moylan was, you know, scrubbing pools and five years later, I'm five months later, he's pitching in the big leagues against Ryan Howard. So I love this game. Um, It's very unpredictable. There's no guarantees, but I do like the guys on this team. Um, They've just gotten off to a slow start. And there is, you know, an injury bug that they worked through last year, and they're going to have to work through it again this year. But over the long haul, I like this team. It's a tough division. Nobody's gotten out of the gate quickly. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Well, um, Ricky and I, we enjoy talking about the team because there's a lot to talk about. We've got superstars on here. we got guys, like you said, coming out of nowhere, young players, veteran players. They're always fun. They're fun to watch, and um, I love talking about pitching, and you can imagine how much pitching we talk on this podcast. But but anyway, uh, we've had a great time with you. There's a lot that we didn't get to. Are we done? I know. uh, You know why we're done, right? Why? I talk too much. (laughs) That's what this is all about. One that's, question, it's over. That's, yeah. No, that's good. But we we also know that we're looking at longevity. So if yeah. we if we spent all of our time and used up all your time right now, then we wouldn't be able to have you on again and talk about something uh, else. So we we like to have guys come on, you know, um, multiple times. So like I said, this is our 
third season, right, yeah. Ricky? I, yeah, and I've noticed that the less that you and I talk and the more the guests talk, the higher the ratings <laughs> yeah, go. Yeah, there we so, go. You know, I think, <laughs> so this is a good one. We yeah, do shows funny. ourselves called the Harry and Bubba Show, um, but that's um, that's for another time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can do that because yeah. you're from Tennessee, is that right? Well, no, I mean, he, he does, calls me Harry because what? Well, uh, this was our first season when we were out in uh, Vegas for the winter meetings, and uh, we went to uh, Greg Maddox's house and did an episode with him. Yeah. And he kept – and so we went there first and had had lunch. He, uh, Greg and Greg, they played golf that morning that yeah. I met up with them, and we had lunch at, at Greg's house and uh, Greg Maddox's house. And and the whole time, uh, Maddox kept calling him Harry. <laughs> and I, I didn't know what that was about, and I was like, well, I'll wait till we're recording, and then I'll ask. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I asked, and uh, uh. apparently from uh, Greg McMichael's rookie year, yeah. One of the first times that some of his teammates saw him in the shower, they came running out and said that there was a bear running running, running loose in the shower. That was Sasquatch. And, yeah. That, that so, was Dion gave me that. Yeah. So, that's awesome. So and then Bubba for me is just somebody in the comment section of this show called and referred to me as Bubba. I was like, all right, let's roll, let's roll, let's go with that. So I love it. You didn't happen to see our debut of calling a game, did you? I did not. On Facebook Live? I heard it was Thank very goodness. good, though. <laughs> no. no, it wasn't. We were, it was a summer scrimmage. It was yeah. last year during COVID where they had nobody else, and they asked us if we'd just go up and, instead of silence, we'd just talk about the game. Oh, my I gave goodness. that much more appreciation for yes, how hard a job did. you guys have yeah. we did. calling a game. We did. Yep. Well, thanks so much, Paul, and uh, we'd love to have you on. I'm serious about Fantasy Camp. We'll be talking about that pretty soon, all right? I'm ready to go. Thanks, right, guys. Thank, Thank you, you, Paul. Our thanks again to Paul Bird for joining us here on Behind the Braves. All right, Greg, we, we, we talked about at the top of the show, we've got a uh, full ballpark again starting in May, and that means that we've got Alumni Weekend coming up, so we'll have a full ballpark against the Pirates for Alumni Weekend. And uh, so we've got, and then we've got an Alumni Sunday uh, during the first homestand where we'll be back to a uh, full capacity. So, so all right. Let's let's go in order here. Who do we have for Alumni Sunday? So, I don't want to say it yet. We're I'm working oh, okay. on it. Uh, trying okay. it'll be a surprise. But I usually try to get it out about a week ahead of time. So okay. I've got a few more days trying to finalize some things. Um, the great thing about Alumni Weekend is that, uh, like you said, it will be a full capacity, which is great. And then we've got some. We've got probably have forty guys here, and we've got some big names. So we're um, so we're pretty excited about that. And then Alumni Sundays are a little different this year. So right now, with the the way um, you know it's been situated with the ballpark and having limited fans, we've been doing Q and As in the plaza up on the stage. So I've been interviewing guys, kind of like a little mini podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. So we had Dale Murphy, then we had uh, Terry Pendleton. And so anyway, we'll have a good guest uh, coming up here on May 9th. And so looking forward to that. And then we'll go right into, at the end of the month, we'll have uh, Alumni Weekend. And it'll be a very similar format than what we've done in years. You know, looking at the parade and uh, we're going to have introductions um, in some nice Ford cars because Ford's our sponsor now, which we're real excited about. And then we'll go into a Saturday where we're going to do some Q&As around the ballpark and uh, do some autographs and uh, for the fans so it'll be a really really good time and uh, you know 
uh, alumni weekend has always been really special to me because I get to bring back a bunch of old teammates and guys that uh, are near and dear to some of the fans here um, in Braves country. So looking forward to another great weekend. Awesome. I can't wait, man. I saw – I didn't get to uh, catch your full uh, Q&A with, with TP uh, the other week, but they did play a clip of it in stadium before that day's game, and it, it sounded great and looks cool. So Thank I you. very much encourage everybody to come out. Uh, May 9th will be the next one of those out, yep. in the, out in the plaza. Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Okay, great. Everybody come out and uh, check out Mac and his surprise guest um, <laughs> for for that. And then Alumni Weekend. Look, we, we talk about it. We've talked about it a lot on here. Or I've talked about it a lot, too, how it's always one of my favorite favorite weekends of, on the, the Braves calendar every year. And it just because it's just so much fun, seeing all the guys from all the different eras. Um, and just g- genuinely, what I love, I love seeing all you former players up there. And you can just tell how genuinely happy all the guys are to be back at the ballpark and just putting on the Braves jersey and waving to fans and the, getting that love from the fans who watched them play for all those years. It's it's really, really a special thing. So hopefully everybody can come out and uh, see us play against the uh, an old rival in the Pittsburgh <laughs> Pirates. So uh, looking forward to that. All right. Well, great. Well, thanks again to Paul Bird. Uh, I think we could, I think you and I both could have talked to him for hours and hours. And I, well, We want him to come back. I know. I know. We try not to wear out our welcome with our <laughs> guests. So we'll, we'll definitely visit with him uh, again later on. Um, and yeah, as always, thanks for listening, rating, reviewing, subscribing behind the Braves, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, for Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast. We'll see you next week. Hey, Braves country. We just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe behind the Braves on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or at Braves.com slash behind the Braves or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. And we'll see you next time on behind the Braves. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.